Psalm 90. This is a, this is a psalm that was written by Moses. It's among one of the oldest psalms, obviously. That would make it one of the oldest, wouldn't it, if Moses was the one who wrote it. It's possibly written, I think, when, when he was considering the wilderness wanderings and how uh, the Lord had done great things for the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. He had brought them out of Egyptian bondage. He had brought them into the wilderness. He had uh, made provision for them. He gave them food where there was none. He provided water where there was none. Everything they needed, the Lord provided for them. We're told that as they wandered around in that, in that wilderness, that for 40, the 40 years that they wandered there, even their shoes didn't wear out, even the little ones. Now, the impression I get from that scripture is that the shoes on the little children grew as the little children grew. They didn't wear out. Can you imagine that? And so he speaks of all of that. It describes here in, in Psalm 90 God's greatness. It also describes his wrath against sin because he is a holy God and he can't overlook sin. There is wrath, uh, God's judgment. And what we see here is Moses' desire that God would forgive that sinful nation. Lord, forgive us because we have gone astray. And we need that uh, mercy, that grace that only you can give us. He speaks also of life's uh, overall brevity. And he encourages us in verse 12 to number our days so that we may apply wisdom to them. But verse 9 is the one I want us to take a look at. And there's an there's a interesting turn of phrase there. He says, all our days are passed away in thy wrath. And then he says, we spend our years as a tale that is told. I like the, the sound of that. We, our lives are as a tale that's told a story that's told. And that's what I want us to take a look at tonight or today because it's an interesting illustration. But before we do, let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that it is your Word. We thank you that you provided it for us. You preserved it over the years. And we can count on it. It, we, it will never change. It has been established forever. And as we look into uh, this portion of Scripture today and uh, this, this idea of our lives being a, as a tale that is told, we pray that you might uh, uh, speak to our hearts today, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do we think about when we, when we think of a, of a tale that's told or a story that's told? Several things come to my mind. One is some tales are lengthy and some are brief, aren't they? In uh, the favorite books that we read, the stories that we read as, as much as in the lives, some of them uh, are cut short, aren't they? But like stories that are told, some of our lives are very long. As I told you, the reason we're pushing next week's service out is because Robin has an aunt who's celebrating her 100th birthday. And we want to be there to help with that celebration. She's a dear lady. So some lives are very long. And this lady's life is full of service to the Lord. She was a, a pastor's wife for, I don't know how many decades. Uh, but she, they served the Lord faithfully. And she, she used to, when she was in her 80s, maybe in her early 90s, she used to talk about she had to go take care of the little old ladies at church. And she would drive them around and she would pay their bills and all this kind of stuff. So some lives are very long. Others are cut short. Uh, children who die in infancy or die when they're very young or people who die in their early uh, uh, years. And some of those lives uh, may not lack or they may lack some of the content that others. They didn't have time to live long enough for their lives perhaps to have good content. Verse 12 asks us to uh, the Lord to teach us to number our days so that we could apply our hearts unto wisdom. That's a very serious request from a seasoned uh, servant of the Lord, isn't it? Moses had served the Lord many years. 
Moses had gone through some years when he wasn't serving the Lord so faithfully, hadn't he? And I'm sure that he could remember uh, those times when he hadn't sought God's wisdom before he made decisions. You remember uh, he had to flee from Egypt at one point because he had killed an Egyptian. Um, and when Pharaoh found out about it, Moses fled. It was many years later when the Lord spoke to Moses from the burning bush and he called him. He said, I'm going to take you back into Egypt. The people that, that sought your life, they're gone. You don't have to worry about them anymore. I want you to leave my people out. But Moses could still remember those times when he hadn't sought the Lord's wisdom. And so he's asking, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. No matter how long we live, we need to seek God's wisdom, don't we? And we need to use that wisdom that he gives us. And wisdom, as, as I'm sure we all are aware, there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Uh, knowledge we can get in a classroom. We can get from reading a book. We can get from the hard knocks of life. Wisdom is how to apply that knowledge properly. And that's what we want to get from the Lord, don't we? And uh, James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. He says, I'll give you wisdom if you need it. Come to me and ask me. And, and of course our Lord is the source of all wisdom, isn't he? You know, our life isn't, it's not, we talk about some uh, stories, some tales of our lives being lengthy and others being brief. Our life isn't measured just by the number of chapters it has, is it? The tale that we read, the tale of our life. It's not just the number of chapters, but what's in those chapters. What do they, the different chapters or the different years of our life, you might say, what do they contain? And what do they uh, share with other people? Because if our lives are nothing but us gathering things to ourselves and we never share anything back. It's not a very valuable life, is it? It's not going to be a tale that uh, people would like to listen to or read about, is it? Uh, just one suggestion that I would make is life ought to be viewed as a container that we fill up with the right things, not as a uh, cup that we just drain. See, there are people who look at life as, oh, this is a cup that's in front of me, I'm going to get everything I can. I'm going to squeeze every drop I can out of that cup, and I'm going to enjoy it. Maybe the, the better thing is for us to look at our lives as a vessel that we can fill up with the blessings of God so that other people can benefit from our lives. That's what it should be, shouldn't it? And that what we put into our days, the days of our lives, that's what determines the value of our lives, doesn't it? So when we think about a, a tale or a story that's told, some are lengthy, some are brief. Second thing that comes to mind, some tales are interesting, even exciting. Some tales are kind of dull, aren't they? You ever read those in school? Books that you were assigned and you, you just look at the title of it and you think, oh, no. Or the people who were older than you, they told you about this book, and you think, I don't want to read that. That's just, oh, it's just so boring. And others, you read them and they're so exciting. Well, lives are that way, aren't they? Some lives are just humdrum. If you know people like that, you look at their life and you think, ooh, how does anybody exist like that? They're just, they're boring. They're unattractive, and some lives are even repelling. If you see, if you look at the lives that some people live, you're just repelled by it. I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. On the other hand, other lives are exciting, aren't they? You've known people. It's something is always going on in their life. There's the, the things are they're changing, they're evolving, they're 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 attracting other people to themselves, not repelling them. They're inviting people, aren't they? And so there's a big difference. And between those two. You know, that's the, the two ends of the spectrum. Between there, there's all kinds of things in between, aren't they? And in, obviously, we all uh, have individual lifestyles. We have individual tastes. We're all different. 
If we weren't all different, we wouldn't all be necessary, would we? The, God, the Lord could have just made one of us. He wouldn't have needed to make all of us. But he, he gives us all of these changes, all of these differences in our lives, and we all make life choices that suit us. And hopefully we're making them after we've sought the Lord for wisdom, so we make the right choices. I can speak from experience and tell you that not all the choices aren't always made with wisdom, are they? At least not in my life they haven't been. Some are wiser than others. But our, our choices that we make in life, what we do with our lives, what we do with our days, our time, it makes a difference to other people and it determines how interesting we are to other people. And where am I going with this? As Christians, we need to be interesting to other people because we need to witness to them, don't we? We want to share our testimony with them. We want uh, to, them to know the Lord as we do. And so the, the, it's very important that we make our lives honor the Lord with everything we say or do so that other people are drawn to us. Now, not everybody's charismatic. Some people you're just not naturally attracted to, right? Other people, you maybe you are. Just their personality that just, just pops and you're automatically drawn to them. But that even if we're not those people, we still have a responsibility to try and, and, and draw people to the Lord, don't we? And so we want to lead other people to Him. And there's some steps that have been suggested that would help us to draw other people to Christ through our testimony. And here's, here's a list. There's five of them. We want to be listened to, don't we, when we share the Word of God. So let's, let's be engaging to people. Let's engage people in conversation. Let's invite them to, to want to talk to us and not be the person that they're like, I don't want to go near that guy. He looks scary. He looks like he would bite my head off. I, I can tell you, there, there's one person in particular in my family. You do not want to call this person before this individual's had the first six cups of coffee for the day. Or it's not pleasant sometimes. I will not mention any names. But if we want to be listened to, we want to be engaging. If we want to be understood when we share our testimony, we need to be logical, don't we? Make it flow. Have you ever heard the gospel presented in a way that you sit there, even as a Christian, and you sit there and think, what did that person just say? I don't get it. And I've been saved for a decade or two decades or whatever. If we're not careful, if we're not logical when we share the Word of God, we just go right over someone's head or pass right by them, won't we? So we need to be logical when we share our testimony. If we want, uh, if we want to share... The, the salvation experience that we had, the moment that we came to the Lord, if we want that to uh, be clear to people, we need to be specific, don't we? We don't need to use these big terms that people don't understand because we can do that as Christians. We can use certain terminology that someone who's never trusted Jesus Christ or someone who's never read the Bible, someone who has never been regular in attending church, they may have no idea what we're talking about. Words like sanctification and glorification and justification and redemption and all of those, they, they think, wow, that's a pretty word. I don't know why I have a clue what it means. I saw somebody, it was on a, some TV show we were watching the other night and someone said something and another character was there and they said, I don't know what those words mean. And how many times have we tried to share our faith maybe when people could have looked at us and said, I don't know what those words mean. They sound pretty, but I have no idea what you're talking about. So we need to be specific when we share a testimony, don't we? We want our testimony to be useful to people, so let's make it practical. Get it down to, to terms that people understand, that they can work with. And we want our testimony, if we share it with someone, 
the testimony of our life. We want it to uh, produce results in other people's lives. So we need to be warm, don't we? When we're talking to people, not cold and standoffish. We want to be genuine when we're talking to someone that we genuine, genuinely care about them. And we want them to know the Lord we do, as we do. And, and, and the, the one term that comes to mind, we just need to be authentic when we're witnessing to someone, don't we? we that's what we want our lives to be. Because as I said, some tales are interesting. Other ones are not so much. They're dull. It's okay that our, in, that our individual lifestyles differ. It's okay that we have different tastes provided we remain inviting enough to continue to draw people to the Lord. That's our goal. Now Paul told the Corinthians in uh, 1 Corinthians first, uh, chapter 15, he said, some have not the knowledge of God. And then he said, I speak this to your shame. As he wrote to him, he said, you know, Corinth was a very wicked city in the time of Paul. And he wrote to them, he said, You've got a church there. You're Christians. You've been born again into God's family. There are people around you who do not know the message of salvation, and that's your fault. You haven't shared it with them. Isn't that a, that's a serious um, indictment, isn't it, against the people of Corinth? But could Paul look at some of us and say the same thing? There's people in your area, in your, in your family, or in your community who don't know the Lord. They don't know the Word of God. They don't have the knowledge of God. And he would have to say he speaks that to our shame, wouldn't he? And I, I fear that may be the case, even for churches in America, that we don't share the Word of God the way we should. So some tales, and when we speak of, of lives being a tale, it's told some are lengthy, some are brief, some are interesting, some are dull. A third thing that comes to mind, some are good and others are bad. And when we think about lives, some are good and some are bad, aren't they? Some are very bad. We, we think of... Uh, we see these in, in news reports. We hear about crime. We hear about addictions. We hear about violence. We know we've experienced people with terrible attitudes, haven't we? we uh, we've seen lives that if we look at them, now Brother Kevin was saying this morning, we can't judge whether someone is saved or not. We can't judge someone else's um, relationship with the Lord. About the best we can do is be a fruit inspector. And we look and see, are they exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? or not. When we look at some lives, we look at them and say, I don't see any value there. Eternal value in those lives. Because there are too many lives where there is no value. Because they don't know the Lord. On the other end of that spectrum, some lives are very good. When we think about people who are helpful, they give you the shirt off their back, as the old uh, saying goes. Uh, they're, they're giving people. They're thankful people. Grateful for everything that they have. And, and just being in them, in their presence, it makes you want to be grateful too because they rub off on you. Isn't that what we should be doing? And more often than not, bad rubs off on people, but good doesn't. That's just the way it is. But some lives are very thankful, they're grateful, they're people who are serving, and these, pe these are people who are generally a blessing. And you just want to be around them. You just want to be near to them. The tale of their life is a tale that's worth the telling, you might say. Again, that's two ends of the spectrum, and in between there are admixture of each and people can change there are people who can be uh, very good people and then suddenly something goes very bad or just vice versa there can be a very bad person who one day meets the Lord Jesus Christ and they trust him and their lives are changed forever their addictions don't bother them anymore because the Lord took them away and all of those kinds of things can happen but there are both ends of that spectrum some some tales are good some others are bad and society has a very difficult 
uh, time sometime understanding how things or how people's lives can go so bad. You hear this a lot of times. Well, I don't understand what happened to this person. He was raised in a good family. She, um, she was raised in, in one of the best homes around. Her family's respected. Um, this person lived in a good neighborhood. This person went to church all their life. Uh, as they were growing up, I just don't understand what happened. They're well-educated. What could have gone wrong? All of the things, they look at these people whose lives are, 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 have gone terribly wrong, and they say everything that the world would recognize as something that would provide a good results, they had all of that, and, said, and yet something went wrong. Somehow their lives didn't turn out well. And the question is, sits, sits there, well, why? The reason is because too many people miss the real point of life. Our life is to be lived for the Lord, isn't it? And people don't, they don't get this. And the truth of Scripture is there for us to see. Romans 3.23 says, the truth to us, you don't have to turn to these verses, you, you, you're welcome to. Romans 3.23 tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some people don't realize that, that we were all born sinners. And that, does, that problem doesn't get better all by itself. It doesn't get better because you live in a good home or a good neighborhood or go to a good school. Uh, Romans 3.10 says there is none righteous. No, not one. That's a hard fact to face, isn't it? But we all have to come to that, that, that uh, realization that we were born sinners. Romans 6.23 says, though, it's, it, the news starts getting a little better. It says, first, the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. Wages are what? You, they're not things that get wrapped up and given to you with a bow on them, are they? Wages are things you earned, and you work hard at it. And before a person is saved, they work really hard at their sin oftentimes. And they deserve the wrath of God. And the, the Scripture makes that clear. The wages, the things that we have earned, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Too many people miss that part. They, they get stuck on the sin part. They get stuck in their sin, and they don't realize there's a way out of it. Jesus Christ saves. Romans 10 verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that word, shall. When someone is living, it doesn't matter how bad the life of sin is. If they turn to Jesus Christ in saving faith, He says, you shall be saved because I won't turn you away. I won't turn anyone away. Isn't that good news? Our life story then, whether it's the tale of our life is good or bad, <coughs> It depends on whether or not we have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and whether we're following Him. That makes the determination. So what do we think of when we, we think of the tales of the, the stories that are to, of our lives? Some are lengthy, some are brief, some are interesting, some are less interesting, dull even. Some tales are good, others are bad. A fourth thing, some tales have an important mission and others don't seem to offer a lot of value, do they? Some people live uh, seemingly aimless lives. They never really accomplish anything that, that the world or we would see of, of, of much importance. And I'm not talking about fame. I'm not talking about fortune. I'm not talking about wealth or popularity, those kinds of things. When I think about accomplishing something of importance, I've talk, I'm talking more in terms of things of lasting value. Things like parents who sacrifice to raise their children in godly homes. And they make sure that they're raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They correct those children when they're wrong. They, they point them to Jesus Christ. And they make sure they understand that even the youngest child is a sinner. 
and they need to be saved. And so they point them to that. That's what I'm talking about, the kind of thing of life accomplishing something of importance. People who, who work, sometimes more than one job, to keep their families fed, to keep a roof over their heads, to make sure that they're secure, that they have the clothing, that they have all the needs they have. I think about individuals, and some of you may have been these individuals over time, who will uh, teach a, a children's Sunday school class and they'll go out of their way to make sure those kids have what they need. If there's a child in that class that doesn't have a Bible, they'll sacrifice to buy a Bible for that child. They will stay up late on a Saturday night getting the, la- the latest little pieces of some craft ready so that it's ready for those children the next morning. They'll see that they have snacks. They'll do all of those things. They'll, they'll put the effort in to help those kids and make sure that they are introduced to the Lord at a young age. That's the things that, that make life important, isn't it? Or I think, too, of, of small farmers. they got a little garden. Maybe, maybe not even a farmer. Maybe just someone who raises a large garden. They're never going to get rich doing that. But they make sure that the people around them who need something have food if they have extra. Even if they don't have extra, they'll give. I had a Sunday school teacher when I was a teenager, and, and she and her, her husband, they, they lived not too far from here, and in a little, like in a little subdivision, they had a little small garden. But I'm going to tell you what, that garden apparently produced a lot of stuff because in the spring and summer, they'd come to church every week with bags of food for people. And, and I've heard people say, what do I owe you for it? You don't owe me anything. The Lord, that's the Lord's produce. And He gave it to us. We can't use it. You can. It is yours. The Lord blesses that sort of thing, doesn't He? Now, I know that farmers make a living off of their their crops and that sort of thing. I'm talking about people who go over and above their profit, and they're going to make sure that people who need something have it. How about uh, uh, one thing that came to mind? You hear about small-town preachers who will spend their lives, decades, preaching in a little church and never publish a book. People outside their town never know anything about who they are, but they're faithful to their congregation, aren't they? Those are the kind of people who have lives that are important, the lives that touch us, aren't they? Because we look up, we look up to them and we look back on them when they're long gone, and we thank the Lord for the memory of them, don't we? Or another one that comes to mind, I'll mention this one, and then uh, you get the point, I think. How about shut-ins? People who have... They've, they've reached a point they cannot be at church. There's, there's no way they're going to be at a church service. They don't feel like it. They're sick. They could be in a rest home. They could be in their homes. But when it comes time for church every week, they are on their knees, or at least in their minds, they're on their knees before the Lord praying for that church and praying that the Word of God will go out and praying for the people who are going to be there and maybe people who are there who've never trusted Christ, that the Lord would touch their hearts that day. These are lives, uh, tales of lives, so to speak, that accomplish something, aren't they? And we can look up to that. What I'm trying to get across is some lives leave things behind that neither moth nor rust can corrupt. You remember when Jesus told people, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven because here on earth you can have all kinds of treasures built up and the moths are going to get in there and eat holes in them. Rust is going to corrupt them. They're going to corrode. They're going to go away. But if you put something in heaven, it's going to be there waiting for you and an eternal account, so to speak. And so some lives have an important mission. They're going to serve the Lord with everything they do. Others, not so much. So those are things that, that we think about, maybe when we think of, of our lives as a tale that is told. How can we ensure that the tales of our lives are good and that they are of value? Um, 
that they're beneficial. First thing I can think of, like any good book, any good tale, any good story, they have to have the right author, don't they? We're familiar with tales, I guess all of us, that have been uh, prepared by what we would consider literary genius. Everybody probably has a favorite author, maybe multiple authors. I love to read. I've loved to read all my life. And so there are, over the years, there have been authors that I love to read their stuff. You ever had a book that you don't want to put down? You start into it. Have you ever went to work on a Monday morning and you could barely open your eyes because you stayed up late on Sunday night finishing that book? Or it could have been another day of the week. We all have, haven't we? Stories that they draw us in. They, they capture our imagination. They take us places we have never been before. And it's just its like it's real. The characters just jump off the page. That's the kind of light, a story or tale that our lives can be if, we, if they have the right author. The right author of our lives. God is that kind of author. Author. If we entrust our lives to Him. He writes a tale in our lives that is like none other, doesn't he? He produces lives uh, that are good, that are purposeful, lives that are endearing, and oftentimes lives that are enduring. Uh, as, the, as we think of someone who's celebrating a 100th birthday, there are people alive now who've lived longer than that. And so the Lord can give us good, purposeful, endearing, and often enduring lives. He can uh, make us people who attract others to himself if we stay out of his way. Sometimes we can be our own worst enemies, can't we? Uh, with our behaviors. But if we'll stay out of the way and allow the Lord to be the author of our life, it'll be a good one. It'll be a good tale that's told. Hebrews 12, verse 2, refers to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. If we allow him to work in our lives, he will be that good author. Second thing, if we want uh, our, the tales of our lives to ensure uh, that they're good and beneficial, we have to have the right main character, don't we? The best stories you'll ever read, they revolve around a main character. And everything that happens in that story, it's tied to that character. He or she is given preeminence, and that's what makes the story good oftentimes, isn't it? Well, to have a good life, a good beneficial life, we have to recognize who the main character of our life is. And spoiler alert, it's not us. We are not the main characters of our lives, or we shouldn't be. Who should be? It's the Lord. We need to step out of the limelight as Christians and let Jesus Christ be the main character in the story of our lives. And then it's going to be a beneficial story, isn't it? It's going to be one people want to hear about. It's going to be one that people want to pay attention to. Because you see, we don't deserve any credit, do we? No matter how good we might... Well, well let me put it this way. No matter what we might accomplish, we don't deserve the credit for it. The Lord's working through us. He deserves the credit. He deserves the glory. Because He alone is worthy of glory and praise and worship and adoration, isn't He? No one else is. Uh, I refer back to this verse oftentimes. Uh, Re Revelation verse five, uh, chapter 5 and verse 12 says this, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who's worthy of all of that. And if He is the main character of our lives, then people are going to want to pay attention to that life. And they're going to want to pay attention to the witness that we have when we try to share the gospel with them, aren't they? A third thing, if we want to ensure that the tales of our lives are good and beneficial, we've got to make sure we've got the right theme in that story of our lives, don't we? The best uh, stories that we've ever read 
they're built around again a central theme, not just the main character, but a central theme, and everything seems to play into that theme and interweave. And they become interwoven, don't they? The best lives have a central theme too. What should it be? Glorifying God. That should be the theme of our life, isn't it? Everything that we do, everything we say, everything we think, everything we do, it should be done in a way that brings glory to our Lord. That should be the first and foremost things in our life. Because it's when we make our lives all about ourselves, that's when the tales of our lives become weak. That's when they become disinteresting. Uh, if, if, if my life is lived only for me, people can look at that life and say, I don't care about that. I don't care about that guy, but if I can make my life about the Lord and I can do everything that I, want, that I attempt for His glory and His honor, then people can say, I, I don't know about that guy, but I want to know what he's got. I want a dose of whatever he has. If the joy of the Lord is exhibited in our lives and we're doing everything for His honor and everything in His name and everything in a way that brings glory to Him, people are going to say, I want a dose of that. And that's what we want them to say, isn't it? We want them to be interested in the Lord that we serve. You remember the, uh, the question? You probably all heard it from the Westminster Catechism. What is the chief end of man? It's one of the most familiar questions from that catechism. And what's the answer? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I ask you this morning, as Christians, are you enjoying the Lord? Are you serving, uh, seeking to glorify Him in everything that you do? And are you enjoying Him? just knowing that you have a relationship with Him. Colossians uh, chapter 3 and verse 23 says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Do it heartily for God's glory, not for your own, and not for your own selfish benefits. So there we've seen um, a description of what some tales can be, what some tales are not, or what they ought not be. We've seen how we can ensure that the tales of our lives are good and beneficial. Just to wrap up, if we make our lives all about us, about our, in, our, our personal wants, wishes, our selfishness, or any of that, the tale's not going to be worth the telling, is it? Wouldn't you like to be that person that when you're gone, if the Lord tarries in His coming, when you're gone, people tell the story of your life and other people say, tell me some more about that. We've all heard stories about Christians that, that lived in previous generations and we think, I want to know more about that person. And I want to know what they, what they thought. I want to know what they said. Isn't there some book about it? Is there something else I can read about that person? Tell me more. Don't you want to be that person? If our lives serve to glorify our Lord, the story never gets old when people tell it. Your grandkids will want to tell it or your, uh, your nieces, nephews, whatever. The people who knew you, they're going to want to tell that stuff about you when you're gone. We need to be sure that whoever tells the story of our lives, though, after we're gone, we want to make sure that they know that we were followers of Jesus Christ. If anyone's talking about us today, we want to make sure they know we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want them to know that we love Him. Uh, Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 tells us this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. We need to make sure we love the Lord that way. With all our hearts with all our souls, with all our minds, with all our strengths. And then the tales of our lives are going to be much different, aren't they? People are going to want to tell those tales, and other people are going to want to listen. Jesus is above all else in our lives, isn't He? Whether we make Him that way or not, He is above all things. He is preeminent 
and nothing is important or nothing should be more important to us than pleasing Him and honoring Him with everything we do in our lives, should it? And so I hope this morning you can say that. I hope that uh, if you're here this morning and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, that you can say, I'm living my life in the best way I can to honor Him and not dishonor Him anything. And if you're here this morning and you haven't trusted Christ, I pray that you make that a priority. Because He said, I won't turn you away. I won't turn anyone away if they'll trust me. And all that means is coming to Him and, and confessing your sin to Him, admitting that you are a sinner, agreeing with Him, and saying, Lord, save me, because you're the only one who can. I can't save myself. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here this morning. We thank you for this passage of Scripture, the verses that we've looked at this morning. Our lives are uh, lived as a tale that is told. And someday those, those tales will come to an end. Someday we're, we're told that it is appointed unto man wants to die, and after that the judgment. We pray, Lord, that uh, those here this morning who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, we pray that you might help us to live lives that are pleasing in your sight, lives that glorify you, lives that draw other people to you. We pray, Lord, that you make us faithful witnesses, and we pray that other people would want to hear what we have to say, that they would want to hear the news of the gospel that we can share with them. Father, if there's anyone here who has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we pray you might speak to that heart, that you might draw them close to yourself. And that, uh, Lord, you might uh, lead them uh, to making that decision to trust the Lord Jesus Christ wholly, completely for their salvation, knowing that uh, none of us can save ourselves. Thank you again, Lord, for the attention of the folk here. We thank you, Lord, uh, that the Holy Spirit has moved among us. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.